Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. This is Elliot at Not Your Mother's Radio and Podcasts, and I'd like to um, get everybody ready for a special guest that we have today. Uh, Peter White, the great guitarist, will be our guest today, and um, I'm looking forward to speaking to Peter about his um, workings with Al Stewart, with the Shot in the Dark band, his solo career, 
um, and some of the other ventures that he's um, involved in. So um, I'm gonna get some stuff queued up to get you know to play while I get um, Peter on the line. This one is called Jump On It, and it's one of Peter's tunes from um, his album Confidential. So here we go, Jump On It, Confidential, from the great, great, great Peter White. Thank you. 
Ed, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what year was that? 62, 60, 63, 63, 64, yeah. And, um, I was already seven or eight years old, and, and that was my introduction to pop music right there. And I soon enough got into the Beatles and started watching uh, a, a music program every week on the BBC called Top of the Pops. Right. And who was number one? The Spencer Davis group was really big at that time. Right. Yep. You know who I spoke um, to? Let's see. Let's see if you remember this. You should remember this more than I did because he wasn't that big here. Zoot Money. Do you remember Zoot? Yes. Yes. I spoke to yes. Zoot. He, Zoot did the show with me a few times. What a character. He's the wow. funniest man alive. And um, yeah, if you go check out the podcast uh, uh, section, you'll hear Zoot. Um, great guy. He's still making music. And um, he, he's a great, what a character. I didn't know this, but Andy Summers, the police guitarist, started with Zoot. Yeah, in fact, I've read Andy's book, uh -huh. which is fantastic. Yeah. One of the best musician biographies I've ever read. And uh -huh. he talks about his days with Zoot Money. Right. And um, so yeah, fills, in, fills in a lot of gaps, you know, reading musician biographies, which is pretty much all I read. Uh -huh. um, well, I, and I, now with the, with the internet, you can find out just about anything. Oh yeah, There's a lot of information about this. Fascinating. It really is. Um, I actually um, I've been talking to um, a lot of older musicians. Um, uh, uh, Bunk Gardner, Don Preston from the original Mothers of Invention. Um, I, I was talking to a bass player yesterday, and I don't want to mention his name because I'm going to tell this story. And um, actually, he told it online, so I guess I can. But anyway. Um, I guess it was, um, I forgot who sampled The Police's tune, and um, it was a song that um, Andy wrote with Sting. And, um, yeah. and um, this, The Police sued, um, the record company got $100 million in um, um, penalties, and Sting kept, Sting kept all the money, and Andy wrote, well, the, and Andy wrote the riff. I yeah, I, I've, I've seen this story on uh, Behind the Music, I think, and um, uh -huh. the song was Every Breath You Take, right. yeah. and it was written by Sting, and the part that was sampled was actually Andy's guitar intro, Yeah. and it was uh, Faith Evans, I think, that sang it, and the song was called The Missing You, it was about Tupac, I think, Yeah. or was it about Biggie, no, it was about Biggie Smalls. Biggie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Andy explains. Well, yeah, the part that they they took was the part that I'm, you know, that that was my guitar part. And uh -huh. yeah, because Sting was the one that actually wrote the song right. by himself. He got all mine, but, but he Andy says he did end up getting some some share of that. Because oh, he did. Okay. They probably had some deal with publishing because very often within a band that will happen. You know, whoever writes the song, they'll share the publishing among all the members. And, and if you can do that, you have a greater chance of keeping a band together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, because I, everybody gets to share, you know, in the, in the songs. Everyone's promoting the songs. Everyone's going out on tour. It's, it's only right that they get to share in the, in the profit, you know, even if they didn't actually write the song. And I also found out something else interesting yesterday, that um, if you're on... Um, on the recorded version of a song in England, you know, in the UK, 
um, the, if you like on top of the pops or another show, they have to have the original members who recorded the tune perform on the show, even if it's lip synced or whatever. The original guys yeah. who did the recording. That's it, it's not. So, that, uh, you, yeah. you know, I you know I mentioned Top of the Pops uh-huh. earlier, which yeah. was a show every Thursday night, and you had to go when you when you appeared on Top of the Pops, you had to go in the day before, and you recorded your song, except for maybe the vocals, I think. Okay. So you would be playing with a backing track because they didn't want musicians playing live. Right. But they could have the vocal play. And the same thing happens with the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. You yeah, know, the yeah, music, yeah, 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 yeah. Music is pretty much all pre-recorded. Well, most concerts and, um, now, most most concert now are on uh, hard drives, you know, and uh, it's kind well, of, it's hard to tell anymore. Yeah. It's hard to tell anymore what is and what isn't, which is so. In my show, I already have always had everybody in the band step out and do a, a solo or a feature of some kind, just to show, hey, you know, this is actually not all pre-recorded. Right. We're actually playing here. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and you. Um, your stuff is, uh, you know, well, the smooth jazz stuff that you, you guys are doing is just incredible. You have some great musicians working with you, and uh, that's what people are coming to do, you know, coming to hear, see you guys do what you do. But your um, beginnings were um, different. You, you started out with Al Stewart. That was your first big... Um, yeah, there's this big, there's always big talk about how I started in rock and then i jump to jazz and i don't uh-huh. see this at all no you know the person that they're describing i don't see uh, the way i play guitar is no different now right than it was when i started with al stewart 45 years ago uh-huh. uh, it's just the, the rhythms have changed a little bit right ben. because back then i was playing we were playing rock music even though it was called folk rock because it was based more on acoustic guitar than electric guitar uh-huh. uh, with al stewart it was still rock music and therefore, you know, based on eighth note tempos. And I'm getting a bit technical here. <laughs> no, no, it's, that's fine. But, you know, the classic yeah, rock yeah, yeah, yeah. beat. And, you know, Year of the Cat, for instance, that yep. Time Passages, which is a song I wrote with Al Stewart. I know. Has I know. that same beat. I just wanted, to, um, before you continue, I just want you to know that um, um, two of my favorite um, uh, um, Al Stewart tunes you co-wrote Merlin's Time and Midnight Rocks. I think those are two of wow. Al's greatest tunes. Besides, you know, Time I'm Passages, glad. of course, is a classic. But uh, Merlin's Time, that's some beautiful guitar work in that. That's even, you know, um, uh, you could tell that, you know, um, it's that's not a typical rock tune. No, because we didn't think like that. I was just thinking, uh, you know, what makes a great song? Al was always thinking thinking in terms of lyrics first and then melody right. and then background. In fact, Merlin's time, it started out as a piano riff. Uh-huh. I used to play when I was still a teenager. So um, the, way, the the line of the guitar plays, I played it uh, I played it on the piano with all one and five chords. So like, and I just kept this in my mind for years and years. And then one day I happened to play it to Al on the piano. Right. And he says, oh, wow. He says, I'm writing a song about Merlin right now. That I, I only have one part. And I, need, I need a second part. And Perfect. your part will, will become the second part of the song. So it became two different melodies and two different songs put together. 
And uh, eventually, instead of playing it on the piano, I played it on the nylon string guitar, uh-huh. which by that time, was it 1980, had become my sound. Right. And, and, and mostly because and that's not Al much, encouraged me to play it. Yeah, and that's not much different than the sound you have now. That that whole, um, no. you know. No, not at all. No, no. Very, very pretty tune. It was very, you know, uh, Renaissance inspired. And, and uh, I mean, not that you're doing Renaissance inspired stuff now, but just the sound of it, it was just just so out of the ordinary. But, um, you know, I loved Al's stuff. You walked in, gave him a whole different sound, you know, um, from what he was previously doing, you know, with, um, you know, Nostradamus and, um, you know, Roads to Moscow. And um, you got, and, you know, in um, lieu of, a, of, a, of another term, you did give it um, a, like a, not a, smooth jazz feeling but he started getting a little jazzier when you came in there was a little more th- going on with the music than previously and um Fun- yeah funnily enough uh-huh. that was one of the things that al would say that would um stop me cold <laughs> he would actually say to me oh that's too jazzy yeah yeah so to him the greatest criticism of any musician was that you're playing too jazzy yeah it's well, funny well, because yeah. people say that. Oh well, now now I am jazzy. I'm now playing jazz. Well, well I, to me, I'm not playing any different than I was before. No, you're not. And um, I, and I hate that term smooth. But, I hate that smooth jazz term. For some reason. Well, smooth jazz is smooth jazz is a radio. Yeah, I know. I know everything. It, it was. It was. Yeah, it was coined by a radio station. I'm still not sure. Who it, it may have been Frank Cody. Uh-huh. I'll have to ask him one day <laughs> if I see him. But. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a name that the smooth jazz radio stations took to describe their sound, the sound of the radio. I never felt that it was a musical style. Right. I right. always thought that it was a radio format. Uh-huh. Um, a, um, adult contemporary fits in a lot better. You know, it's it's a lot it's a lot easier to say than uh, instrumental music uh-huh. that has some vocals and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, you know that doesn't. It's not very sexy. So they just say smooth yeah, jazz. Well, well, people think but of it's just in, instrumental music. People just, people think of uh, you know uh, um, you know Mancini and, and people like that when you talk about instrumental. Yeah, but you know what? Tell tell that to Mozart. I know. You know Mozart know. wrote most. You know so many. He wrote operas. Yes, but he yep. wrote symphonies. Oh, There's sure. no nobody ever said to him where are the lyrics. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So in yeah, the yeah, grand yeah. scheme of things. To me, this instrumental music is still king in movies. You still hire orchestras to create, you know, feelings and themes behind you know, action in movies. Right. And that's all instrumental music. You know, it doesn't have to have words all the time. I'm not, I'm not great with words, although I have written words. Uh-huh. So, and I don't sing very well. So that's the reason I became an instrumental artist. It's that simple. Wow. Um. So, I mean, you spent two decades with uh, Al. So, I mean, you know, you guys clicked. So something was something was going right. There was a, you know, I wrote, I wrote on his, uh, there was a, there was a uh, retrospective box set that came out. And uh-huh. I wrote, it was called here, Yes, called Al Stewart, Just Yesterday. Right. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I, um, I wrote... I wrote something in the sleeve notes, and it says, "Thanks for the music, Al. If if 
I didn't like the music that much, I wouldn't have stayed around for 20 years. Yeah. And I, I just loved the music. And also, he gave me a chance to become involved in the music by writing songs with me. Uh-huh. And I was able to arrange the songs in the studio. And then the last album I did with him, I was actually a co-producer. So, well. you know, a little bit of a evolution along the way. Uh-huh. And by that time, by the time I made his last album, which uh, it's called Famous Last Words, right. it was uh, early 90s, I was already recording my own music by that point. Yeah, and um, you're... And, um... and using some of the same songs that I'd written for Al that he didn't use, and I just turned them into instrumentals. Yeah, and I also, um, that live album you guys did, just there was an acoustic album that came out years ago. That was a lot of fun because, yeah. you know, that's probably my favorite album because we didn't agonize over that. We just literally took my eight-track Tascam reel-to-reel recorder on the road in a flight case, and we recorded a whole series of shows, just the two of us. Yep. And what came out was, uh, it was put together by our road manager, a guy called Michael Fagri. Uh-huh. Who, who was the live sound mixer he set up all the mics he mixed it all put it all together and it's it is incredible a great Magic. snapshot of where we were at that time yep only Wendy serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg cheese and your choice of bacon or sausage did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery Wendy's breakfast biscuits hot and buttery so don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. And very exciting, very full of life, full of energy. I love it. I love it. I love that album, too. And it's also a springboard because you kind of, you could see where, you know, the fork kind of hit the road, where you were heading and where Al was heading. And, um, you know, at that point, it, it, you needed your own, um, you know, your own outfit to, yeah, to take out on the road, I think. Yeah, I had already started recording my own music. I had already released, uh-huh. I think, two albums right. by the time that uh, Rhymes in Rooms is the album we're talking yes, about. Yes, that's great. By album. the time that came out. And, and if you listen to that, you know, there's a lot of really energetic, fast, what, what my father described as fast and furious uh-huh. guitar playing. Yeah. And uh, we probably never played. We probably never ever played better. Yeah, than, down than and down, down and dirty. It's kind of like you had to. Uh, yeah, it was just the two of you, and you had to. Uh, you know, you had to get it out there. Um, I'm always amazed about Al's um, historical knowledge. How he can uh, write a song about things that, um, you know, um, Warren Harding stuff like that. Just things that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he was a. He was a voracious reader of history, uh-huh. and still is. Yeah, and so all his historical songs—you can probably uh, yeah. trace them back to a particular book that he read. Like Erica Cheatham wrote a book about Nostradamus. Yeah. Oh no, was it Eric? Yes, Erica Cheatham. Yes, yes. And um, that became the song. Yeah. Which is a fantastic song, and the last time I played it with him, 2015, at the Royal Albert Hall, we did a reunion uh-huh. show with all the guys. That played on the original Year of the Cat album, oh, wow. which was Tim Rennick uh-huh. on electric guitar and Stuart Elliott on drums. Yep. Wow. And um, 
we decided to do the entire Past, Present, and Future album, which right. was recorded before I joined his right, band. Right, right. So, yeah. but, I mean, I, 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 some of the songs I had never even played or Ro never even heard, actually. Yeah, Roads to Moscow. Had, Roads to Moscow. Yeah. What a killer tune that one is. Well, that that was very largely responsible for propelling Al into sort of cult status uh -huh. in the USA. Yes. Because of FM radio. FM radio at that time... We're talking about 1972, right? 1973. Um, that was in its heyday, and because here's here's what a seven-minute song or an eight-minute song. Hey, you can put the needle on and go to the bathroom. Oh yeah. If you're a DJ. Yep, I know. And then you can you, you can come back and it's still playing. So that song, not only because of that, but it was a great song. It got a lot of play and on college certain college stations well that's that's so the, we would come and tour that was the album in the early days that's the album that i got introduced to al stewart through that yeah, uh, yeah past present or uh, yeah that was a great great album now how did you first hear it on college radio yeah on uh, um i think wnew in new york fm wnew yeah yeah they were they were big on al stewart back then yeah yeah there were certain towns that we could go in and play philadelphia was another town that that played Al a lot. Uh -huh. And this was even before the success of Year of the Cat. We used to go in the Philadelphian headline, uh, which yeah. we couldn't do in any other town. Yeah, it was before Year of the Cat. Uh, you know, I was in, and then I, yeah. kind, then I kind of backtracked to his older albums. And then um, it wasn't long after that that you came aboard and, and the whole sound changed. There was that Alan Parsons period where, you know, he did the production work and, um, you know, kind of... Well, you know, yeah, it was a natural yeah. progression. I think Al, uh, the the first album that I heard of Al's that when I joined his band was Modern Times, uh -huh. which was also produced by Alan Parsons. Right, right. And so, but, um, and then, but Parsons did that whole big production thing, you know, um, um, you know, Year of the Cat, and um, yeah, and the next album was Year of the Cat, and that's the first yeah. album that I was involved in, the right. first time I'd ever been into a recording studio. Wow, Abbey Road. And I was 20 years old. Abbey, yeah, and Abbey it was Road. Abbey Road. Can, yeah. you can you believe that? And me being a huge Beatles freak, uh -huh. I was so excited just to be in the studio yeah. where the Beatles had recorded most of their music. I know. It was that's, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, I actually walked past it when I was in uh, well, years and years ago. Was in, when I was in the UK, and uh, it was the same kind of thing. I just, I, I just couldn't even imagine actually working out of that studio. Um, so yeah, so that was it. But. Um, then you want, uh, you know, then you, then you do your own thing. You, you're actually doing some great production work now. You're working with some great artists. Um, well, it's been a, you know, it's, I, I call it Baby Steps. I even wrote a song called Baby Steps. Uh -huh. um, you know, in the beginning, I was still working with Al. I was releasing albums on my own, and I was starting to do a few gigs on my own as an instrumental artist. And then gradually it got to the point where I think in 1995, I was offered to do a tour called uh, An Evening of Guitars and Saxes, uh -huh. which was me with Richard Elliott, saxophone player, yeah, Craig yeah. Chikiso, who was uh, originally the guitar player in Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Starship, uh -huh. and uh, saxophone player Warren Hill. And I had to tell Al, you know, I can't do your tour can't do any more touring because I've got my own tour to do, you know, and that was kind of the breaking off period. Right. Um, but I'd already released four albums by that point on my yeah. own before I really became yes, a, yes. 
you know, a, a full solo artist. Yeah, and uh, you, you actually did you you visited the states too back then, right, with your band? Well, I I still I I had already been living in the United States since 1978, uh-huh. so I I've been here ever since. Oh, okay. Um, that was halfway through the making of the Time Passages, Al Stewart's Time Passages album, is when I moved yeah. to Los Angeles. Okay, okay. Because, and I didn't realize that I was going to be staying for the rest of my life. I just thought I was coming over to help Al finish an album uh-huh. and to do some TV shows. I remember we did the Merv Griffin show at that time. Because I, I remember... Playing, I remember, playing Year of the Cat. <laughs> I remember seeing your band... Um, you were still working with uh, with Al Stewart, but you had you were doing your own you know you were doing your own shows, and I remember seeing well, you guys a, in in this, in you know in New York when I was still living in New York. And, oh yeah, uh, what 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 venue was that? Because well, we I, did. I used to manage. A we club. did have a band. Yeah, I used to manage oh. a club called My Father's Place, in Roslyn. Oh yeah, in Roslyn, New York. And, yeah, we um, played there. Yeah, yeah. I remember you playing there, but you played there before I was working there, and I, I remember going down and seeing you guys there. And um, then, you know, I, I managed that club, and then I started managing bigger venues. I managed um, um, uh, the Meadowlands, you know, New Jersey Giant Stadium. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. managed part of that place. And then I managed various uh, amphitheaters and stadiums throughout the country. But I remember seeing you in some small clubs. Um, I don't know if remember if it was the bottom line you guys played in as well. We played the bottom line many, many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, yeah. I remember seeing you guys, and that was probably late, no, early 80s, right? Early 80s? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we also played there on the beginning of the year of the Cat Tour, which uh-huh. was 1976. Right. It was probably the first time we played there. And then Al became so big that we couldn't play there anymore until come around 1984 and 85. Uh-huh. Uh, Al's career came back down to earth again, yeah. and we started playing the clubs again. Right. And we we ended up playing the clubs for the next ten years. You know, from '84 to '94, uh-huh. it was all clubs. And you know what? It was more fun, yeah, to play the clubs and to do everything yourself and to have to set up the amps. And, yeah, you know, well, he um... coil coil up the chords. Then when when in the old days of the big tours where everything was done for you. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. You wake up and everything's set for you, and you walk on stage, do your show, and go home at the end of the day. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. I think it, it's great, but there's no challenge in that. And uh, something I never would have predicted that it was going to be more fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, to do everything yourself and to do on a small level, and and sometimes I'm driving the truck. Now, you know, from being in the limousine, <laughs> yeah. now I'm driving the truck yeah. with with all the equipment in. Well, I think it's much more fun. Plus, not only that, I think when you do start playing, you, you get more feeling. It's like you know, you kind of own it. You own, you own everything. It's it's yours. And um, I remember, yeah. I remember in, in that club, the police played when they first hit the states, and um, yeah. they each had their own station wagon. They each drove their own car. They unloaded the car themselves, and um, they never played as as mean and as raw and as dirty as that. You know. Um, then they got kind right. of, they got refined and spoiled, and you know it's like um, it takes it takes some of the grit out of it, so some some of the meaning and um, yeah, you know there's there's a life lesson here. Yeah. I've often thought about this. You know what are we working towards? We're working towards being comfortable for for working less and getting paid more. 
Uh-huh. You know, this is what we're working for our whole lives. And yet, when you get there, you realize, I miss the old days, you know, when yeah. I had to do everything myself. You know, if, we, if you don't drive the truck to the gig, the equipment doesn't get there. If you don't find the sound guy, no, no one's going to help you to set up. Right. You know, rather than just sitting in the hotel room watching the TV, I was doing all this, and it kind of got me out of my shyness, actually. Well, and I've realized that having a challenge in life is actually more, it, it will serve you better than having everything done for you and being comfortable, which is ironically what we're all yeah, looking for. Uh, we're all striving for to get yeah. to that place of comfort where we don't, everyone will do everything for us. And yeah, that's not necessarily. Yeah. I- uh, and you had, and you know, a challenging place to be. And you had less time to get into trouble doing it yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I and did. we all know, you know. Yeah. You know, we all know about the bands who ended up getting into trouble. They're yep. pretty much all of them. Yep. Yep. Um, and Al said to me actually when I first met Al, he says, "You know what? I'm not a band, so I'll never break up." That's right. And I thought I thought that was very clever, and he's still going, and you know until, you know the, the virus. Uh huh. Think he just this year. He was just touring as much as anybody. Really? Well, he, has, like, he hasn't yeah. been. He hasn't. Con- been, he hasn't cons- been, but he hasn't been into the states in a bit, has he? Oh yeah, he's been touring around the states constantly. Really? The last twenty. Years. He he also lives in L.A. He oh. and I have both lived both lived here since the late seventies, and he never stopped touring except for a couple of years in the early eighties. Wow. Uh, he's been touring pretty much constantly. And sometimes with a band, sometimes just solo, sometimes with another guitar player. Uh-huh. Well, um, so but but because he's not on the radio, and everybody says, "Well, what happened to Al Stewart?" Well, yeah, well, he's, the, he's well, still around. He hasn't come to New Mexico. <laughs> can't blame um, him, can't blame him for that, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. You know, I remember yeah. coming through and playing. We played a place called the Hungry Bear. Oh, really? In, in Albuquerque, this is like wow, thirty years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've only been here ten years. I, I was managing the amphitheater here. That's how I got to New Mexico, and um, right, yeah, he hasn't been around since I'm here, because um, I mean, I, I, I was a big, I'm still a big Al, Al Stewart fan, but he he kind of got me into um, you. Know, obviously, you were introduced to me through Al Stewart, and um, yeah, I, you know, I've been following you your your stuff now. Um, I mean, you've won tons of awards. You, you've you've had tons of um, accolades in, in the jazz end of it. Um, did, are you obviously you, you you like what you're doing? You you're enjoying your music now. What, what's the next step for you? Where do you where do you see the music going from this point forward? I know you did that great album. Um, um, did the last album that you uh, just uh, completed, the tour you were going on that that, that, that was just uh, canceled, and um, you know the uh, you know flying high and all that stuff. Did you um? Where, where do you where do you go after this? Well, I'm I've got so many songs in my backlog, and I'm trying to finish an album that that I started actually last year but I got sidetracked by the Starlights yeah. album which was a, an album that an airline asked me to write and so I put everything aside and I made this created this album this sort of soundtrack for 
if you're flying on a plane right. and imagining all the places you could go to, you know, and it's pretty happy-go-lucky music. Uh, except for the, the last song is called Coming, going, uh, Coming Home. Uh-huh. And, um, or Homeward Bound, actually. Sorry, Homeward Bound. Home, homeward and bound, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a little, uh, little melancholy because you're wondering, you know, how is it going to be like going home? Is, is the place changed? Is it going to be the same? Am I going to be greeted warmly? But, but for the most part, the album's very light and breezy. And so now that I finished that, I, I've gone back to finishing the album that I really was trying to finish last year, which will be out later this year. And, and I've, I've got so many songs that I found during this period of time where we're not doing any shows. Right. I think all of us, all of us musicians have gone back and started to look through all the old cassettes that we had made in the 80s. Because in the 80s, every musical idea you ever made was on a cassette. Right. And uh, so I found lots and lots of musical ideas that I never finished in the 80s. And I think, wow, this is like my younger self talking to me. My younger self is giving me inspiration here. This is great. In fact, one of those songs will end up on um, on the upcoming album. And, so, um, and um, I think I just I just want to record all these songs, which just you know have been piling up and waiting for me to finish them. And, and I hope the live shows come back. You know, at some point. Yeah. I mean, I actually have I actually have a socially distanced show coming up in October. Oh wow! In in Chicago. With a you know with a half full little theater, but that's the way music is going. I've also been doing some streaming live streaming shows, right, right. And I hope to do some more of those. Um, I did I did some with Mindy Abair in her backyard. Uh-huh. I saw Mindy I saw, Abair, yeah, Yep, I saw those. A Lady Saxler. Yep, I saw those. <laughs> I saw those streamed. Yep. And we ask people for contributions, and that's uh-huh. that's a way of us, you know, kind of keeping our hand in. Like, yeah. Passing the Let's keep this going. Yep. We're just asking. You know, you can, you can. Some people give two dollars. Some people give ten, and which is nice because we don't have any other. You know, we don't have any other gigs right now. These are the yep. only shows that we have. Yeah, I, I did a live. Um, I did a live broadcast with Mark Benno. You know, Mark. Mark. Um, no. Mark started out with Leon Russell and the Asylum Choir. If you music history. Mm. Um, he was um, him, Leon Russell, and Rita Coolidge worked together in a band called the Asylum Choir. And Mark was, oh. um, um, you know, co-writer and guitar player. And obviously, Leon became the star. And then Mark took uh, Rita Coolidge out on the road. He was her uh, music director. Um, wound up playing guitar on L.A. Women for the Doors. Right. Yeah, he was the guitarist on that. The uh, the um, Texas, you know, that guy had, that had that Texas bluesy sound to it. That was all Mark stuff. And um, right. I'll tell you a funny story about Mark. Um, they called him up and they said to him, um, "We got this band called The Doors. Bruce Bontnick called. You, I'm sure you know who Bruce is." Um, yes. Yeah. Anyway, Bruce called him and said, "We have a, a band called The Doors. You know, he's not a you know we're The Doors. The Doors want to do an album with you." And he said, "The Doors. Who the heck are The Doors?" And um, <laughs> and um, Botnick said to him, "You know who the Doors are? You know that song, Light My Fire." And he said, "Oh, Jose Feliciano's in that band." It was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he was he was a little, uh, you know, he, he was a little sheltered. 
but um, yeah, he did he did the guitar work on um, L.A. Woman, and then he went to work with Clapton for a while and, and whatever. Great, great, great guitarist. Different style than you. He's more of a Texas bluesy type guy. And um, he did something live with me about a week or two ago uh, via Zoom, and um, it was interesting. You know, it's, I don't know if that's that's going to be the future. If it is, um, you know. It, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to perfect it, you know? Well, I think it's the way of the future. I think that's where music is going. You know, online shows, uh, possibly pay-per-view. Um, I'm trying to put one together. Well, a friend of mine, uh, Michael Paolo, is trying to put one together uh -huh. for us to do in, in September. And, you know, we'll end up doing less shows for... Hopefully, more people. I mean, you know, my, the backyard concerts I've done, you know, we reach five, six, seven thousand people. Wow. Sometimes. And that's more than we get at any show. Right, right, right. So, you know, we're working, we're working on this. So, so trying to make it. Yeah. Well, that, that, trying to make it intimate and special. Well, that's amazing. And you don't have to live don't have to leave your house well, I think that's the future you know it, it was getting that way with movies and um, you know and stage productions people didn't want to leave the house let, let me pay and stay home and right. watch it so yeah so I guess maybe um, there would be there will be the future you know pay-per-view and stay at home and watch I mean people's um, yeah. uh, you know stereo systems hooked up to their TVs now are incredible you know it's all state-of-the-art right. theater so you know it, it's perfect um, it's just a shame that yeah. it took a pandemic to get us here. Yeah. Right. Hopefully we'll still be able to go out and play, you know, in a, yeah. just yeah. socially distanced. Yeah, yeah. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service. Without all the drama. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, see club for details. Um, audiences, as I say, I'm doing one in in Chicago in, in October uh -huh. at the are, are at the O'Hare. Are you adding anything? The this, it, are you going to hmm? add anything to your sound? Any new, uh, you know, any new direction you're going into? Any new uh, avenues? Like you know, um, um, I play I play harmonica now a little bit more in the show. This is an instrument I played when I was a teenager. Uh -huh. In fact. For two years running, I was the British Junior National Harmonica Champion. Wow. And not many people know this. Wow. I only had to be better. I was going to introduce you today I, as the accordion expert. I understand you're a great accordion player. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that started with Al Stewart. Yeah. Back then, he said, can you play accordion? 
I want to hear a recording on this song. And the song was from the Time Passages album. It was mm-hmm. called Timeless Skies. Right, right. And he says, I want to hear a recording on this song. I said, well, sure, I'll have a go at that. Yeah. But I, um, you know, because I play piano. Uh-huh. I play piano on most of my songs. Right. In fact, the song that you played, uh, opening up, Jump on It, yeah, that's me on. playing piano on that. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so I thought, well, I could play the accordion, the, you know, the piano keyboard on the accordion. How yeah. hard can that be? Yeah. And I, I had to borrow an accordion because I didn't, didn't even have one. And within a few days, I ended up recording on that song. And that was my beginning as an accordion player. But you know, but people say I'm a guitar player and that's fine. But, you know, if I was a guitar player, if I was what people say I am, I would never have got my gig with Al Stewart because he didn't need a guitar player. When I started with him, he needed a piano player. Right. So I played piano with him. Oh, and it was only later he discovered I could play guitar. Oh, really? So I'm a piano player, I'm a guitar player. And yeah, and sometimes I'm on stage and I'll pull the harmonica out of my pocket and start playing. Well, the, see, the I'm, chromatic harmonica. I'm a, I'm a piano and harmonica player too. Not chromatic. I have a chromatic, but I, uh, I think right. it's kind of, since I'm a, since I'm a young teenager, uh, I've had chromatics. I just can't. Uh, I just haven't spent time enough with them, I guess. But I'm a piano well, player too. The chromatic right, harmonicas right. just drive me nuts. <laughs> they drive me crazy. Well, it's it's very difficult. Yes, <laughs> it's very difficult. Each each note, you have to think. Uh, there's three things I have to do to make a note. You know, you have to find the right hole. Yep. Uh, you have to know whether to blow or to draw. Yep. And you have to know whether to push the button in. Yep. And there's three things you have to think about yep. before you play any note. Yep, and, and uh, it's it's a lot to remember. It's a lot to remember, and then if you're going to play in a different key, you, you you're entirely uh, thrown off. You yeah. know, it's like um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I, I've had a uh, chromatica, the little the, the red chromatica owners. I've had one of those. Oh yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I started. That was the first one I had when I was probably twelve years old. Well, well, well. Yeah, yeah. But it's you know, it's a nice sound. Introduced to my shows, and also for people to say, "Oh, Peter White, we know who he is. He's a guitarist." And that's so suddenly I become a harmonica player. You know, I like I just like to surprise people. Like you yeah. still surprise people, then I'm doing something right. I'd love to hear you do some heavy, uh, like just a heavy, heavy album of like um, I don't know, like Latin stuff. Just you know, just because I know you got you, you definitely know how to play that thing, and and I just think um, I would love to hear something. Um, like a different style because uh, I would just love to hear how you would interpret it more or less probably anything you touch, right. anything you touch will be gold I, just, I would just love to hear what that would sound like well somebody said to me the other day you should do an album of all Joe Bean music and I thought yeah. well I, if if I was to do an album of one composer's music uh-huh. uh, there's a very there's a very short list yeah of composers that you could do an album of all their music you know a uh, backrack is one. Uh, how back? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. Backrack and how David. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lennon McCartney. Uh huh. But you know, Joe B. Yeah, Lennon McCartney. That's about it. Yeah, Lennon McCartney been overdone though. You know, everybody's on Lennon McCartney. Yeah, I I you did know. one on my Grooving album, uh-huh. and I recently did one another one with a piano player friend of mine. Uh, um, yeah, so I don't yeah. know. I. I <laughs> I just got to start recording more music. You see, you know, I've, I've often felt, you know, I'm doing too many gigs and I'm not recording. I'm only recording uh-huh. an album every three years, and yeah. that's not enough. Because you know, uh, uh, to get all the to get all the music out that I have, 
on the Starlux Airlines album, I saw Homeward Bound. You know, that was the last song on the album. And I said, wow, yes. Simon and Garfunkel. And then I put it right. on, and it's such a beautiful, it's not theirs, but it's a beautiful tune. And, um, I mean... It's, it's slightly reminiscent of... A, it is, it is. It has that same feel. Of a Simon and Garfunkel song. And, and in fact, it sounds a little like the boxer, because the boxer, the, the, that's how I learned to play finger-style, finger-picking guitar, by listening to the boxer. Oh, really? When I was a teenager. Wow. So uh, that always comes through in my, in my influence. Yeah, and, and Groovin' is great. You, you covered the Rascals. That was a great, great... Um, it's a good album, great tune. Your yeah. Last song. Yep. I, yeah, I remember when um, I heard that originally. Um, I, was, I, was, I have a wedding company, a DJ company, and um, that came out on one of the record pool releases, um, Groovin', and, and that kind of floored me when I heard it. Great, great tune. Yeah, the original Rascals version, the, the record company didn't want to release it. You know, this is, if you if you look at the history of that song, yeah. uh, the record company said, "Oh, uh, no, that song's not going to work. He doesn't even have drums on." Yeah, it's true. It just has the congas. The, you know, the original version, and I think it was Murray the K. Uh -huh. It was a friend of theirs. He heard it. He says, "You're crazy." He says, "This song is a stone cold hit." Yep. You got to, you know, the record company has to release it. So in the end, they did. But it just goes to show you that uh -huh. the record company doesn't always know everything. No, they don't. They don't always have the answers. <laughs> and, and, and um, you know, it was funny. I mean, well, it's not funny, but in the 60s, these record company guys wore suits. You know, they all smoked cigars. They, you know, half of them were gangsters. And um, they had no idea about music. That was the least important thing to them. So if a band came in, they'd sign them. Then everybody got a little hipper, and they said, you know, let's hire... Uh, you know, guys in denim with long hair who smoke dope and uh, let them become our A&R people. <laughs> and that's when we got into trouble. That's when music became, you know, I think that's when, it, I think that's when we lost heart. Because uh, you, you know, you're, you're a um, musicologist and, um, you know, the bands in the 60s that came out of the UK, that came out of America, they, they, were, the, they were like um, bands that they were, they were cutting new, uh, you know, cut, you know, just blazing through it to a new path. And then everything started sounding alike. And I think that's what happened. You just, you know, when these guys who didn't yeah. know anything about music were, were, were signing bands, you know, let's, let's, let's sign the Velvet Underground, see what happens. You know, let's sign the Mothers of Invention, see what happens. And, um, you know, it's... Yeah, it was, it was very different. Yeah. It was very different in those days. And, and the band didn't have to be a huge hit right no. off the bat. No. No, there was work. You know, there, there was time for the band to develop to make a, a yep. few albums. Yep, I spoke. And, and now you now, now you got to be brilliant. Yeah, immediately. But but now you can do it in your bedroom. You know, you don't even have to. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be with anybody. Yeah, you don't need the records. You don't need record companies. Yeah, I, I I spoke to Dave Robinson um, a while ago from Stiff, the man who started Stiff Records, and he told me that um, Elvis Costello's first album cost him a thousand dollars to make. Well, and um, you know, like Nick Lowe's first forty-five, uh, his first single, cost him like forty dollars to put out, and um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, yeah, you know, that I, was, yeah, that, that was an exciting time. You know, the, yeah. uh, you know, the late seventies when they, the, what they call the new wave. Yeah, yeah, which, and which kind of came out of punk. Yeah, then everything became super, super overproduced. Um, I was, Lenny White was telling me a story. Lenny White, the drummer, 
uh, from um, yeah. Return to Forever, that um, he was in England when um, Romantic Warrior came out, which is, you know, it's a it's a, a, a iconic fusion album. Yeah. And um, he was sitting with the guys from Yes, and um, Steve Howe's wife said to him, um, how long did it take you to, to, to make this album? And he said, it took us about 11 days. And she said, 11 yeah. days? It takes these guys 11 months to get the snare drum to sound right. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, so it's just the Well, it just goes to show Al Stewart once said to me, you know, pearls of wisdom. He says, how do you know when an album is finished? He says, you either run out of time or money. Yeah, yeah, if not, you'd be and on if you, if you have unlimited time and unlimited money, then it's never going to be finished. Wow. You're still going to be working. Wow, wow. And, you, uh, is there a chance of you working with Al again? I am actually in touch with him again recently. He He's working with a band called Empty Pockets, uh -huh. which is a band based out of Chicago. And they're backing him up live, and they've also been backing him up in the studio. And, and um, they sent me some songs, which they've been recording with Al. And I thought, this is fantastic. You've got... Al back into a recording studio. With Al hasn't made an album for ten years, right? You know more. So this is this is great news. And, and uh, they said, "Well, can you play on this?" And I said, "Well, I could play on this song, but I could tell you something that I I, I can hear ways that I can make this sound more like Al. You know, in terms yeah. of arrangement, I know, I know Al's sound, right? And so if you if you give me the multi track and you could, this is all done by mail, sure. <laughs> then I'll. I'm going to edit it a little bit and I'll show you exactly what I mean. And that's and they did. And so I took one of the songs they recorded with Al and I kind of rearranged it to make it sound more like Al rather than Al singing on top of the band. Right. Because and I added just a, a very small piece of, you know, my some of my guitar playing. And uh -huh. I think I put in my accordion on there too. Starts song starts with accordion. And from, from that came, they said, well, we have other songs. So I've been work, I've been helping them to rearrange and produce some new Al Stewart songs and hopefully that will turn into an album that will come out at some point hopefully later this year good because um, uh, you know he did some great stuff when you left but um, you, you were at the pinnacle I, I think um, when you were working with him his sound was the greatest I think you guys were well, you know I think you guys were um, you know the perfect pair I thank you for that yeah I thank you for that and, you know and, what I'm what I'm doing is sometimes the only game I'm playing is what would Alan Parsons do here? Uh -huh. Because Alan Parsons was a true genius, I think. Working yes. There's only three albums he worked on with Alan. This is Modern Times, Year of the Cat, and Time uh -huh. Passages. Right. But those, to me, that were the pinnacle of, of recording yeah. in terms of the sound and the arrangements. But which ones were you on? I was on uh, Year of the Cat and Time Passages. Right, two out of three. So, and then every album after that. And when yeah. we came to make the first the first album that we recorded after we stopped working with Alan because remember Alan started the uh, Alan Parsons project right. so he wasn't producing outside artists anymore so we were kind of left on our own um, there's mm -hmm. an album called 24 Carats great album which is a, great album after, after Time Passes yep. and that album is us yep. trying to figure out how to to record an album without Alan and what would Alan have done in uh -huh. this situation yeah the tw 24 Parrots right Right, yeah, the and that's the uh -huh. song the song that you were talking about yes. Merlin's time, yeah. that comes from that album. Well, two of them, yeah. Midnight Rocks too came from that, right? 
Midnight Rocks, yeah. Yeah, to a, to a, yep. Um, and that's a brilliant album. And you already said 24 Parrots, and the P was crossed out. Well, that's Al's idea of a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I know the album. You know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, we're going to call the album 24 Carats, and, and the art director got it wrong and misheard him. Uh-huh. And so he yeah. drew an album cover yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with all parrots. Yeah, but I'm just saying. And then yeah. you, well, we had to cross every one of them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and we didn't have time. That, that's the sort of the legend. We didn't have time to, to redo the album cover, so we just crossed out the parrots and wrote in 24 Carats. Yeah, it was a great album. It was a, it was a great cover. It was fun. It was, you know what I'm saying? It, it was. Um, yeah. Kind of, you let the air out of the balloon a little, you know. And it was a great album. And, and I told you that those are um, Merlin's Time and Midnight Rocks. Those I think are um, just quintessential. I, I still listen to Midnight Rocks as one of my favorite songs. Do you? It's you a know, great, I've great ever song. Done without, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Merlin's Time. The, the minute I heard that song, I kind of fell in love with it. It was um, first of all, it was pre. Um, uh, Game of Thrones. It was pre all of that stuff, you know. Uh, oh right. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. pre. It was pre um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, nothing was. And um, I was a big, you know, fantasy reader at the time. And um, right. You know, just those the uh, um, the Renaissance feel when it when it opens up, and then just the boom, the, the orchestration afterwards. It just kind of grabs you. And it's yes. a beautiful tune. Great, great uh, lyrics. Great, great music. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, you know, and you know, I spoke to people who were in Al's later bands, you know, and um, yeah. and so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings or anything else, but I just love the work that he did with you, and um, I love the work you did with him, and I think you both kind of uh, built upon each other's uh, reputation and foundation and um, just you know musical legacy. The yeah, albums. it was great. Yeah. It was a great musical relationship that that lasted twenty years. That was my apprenticeship uh-huh. in music, yeah, yeah. And it taught me taught me about recording. It taught me about how to put on a show, how to relate to the audience. You know, the way that Al talks to the audience in the show, just in his his normal everyday voice, just like he's talking, just right. like you and me are talking. Uh-huh. And this is what I do in my show as well, because I don't have any other voice right. actually. I don't have the. Uh, hey, how's it going out there? Yeah, yeah, me neither. If I if if if, if I talk like that for two minutes, my voice is gone. I know. Plus, so, it's, uh, plus when I do it, I sound like a phony. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if, if I, I wish I, you know, I wish I had that voice. Yeah, but I don't. I, yeah, me neither. So this, yeah, yeah. You I, go with the, you, you go with whatever voice you have, and that's the voice you use. Yep. If I did it, I sound like a like a, 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 a like a. Um, uh, what was his name? Um, 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 Wolf, a Wolfman Jack wannabe. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it's not me. It's just not me. So I'm stuck with my New York accent, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's just the way it is. But um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are maybe doing something. But I would I would love to hear that album when it comes out. Well, I've worked on I think seven. I think I've worked on seven songs wow. that were all, are almost ready to go, and uh, we're just waiting for the last few. And I, and I actually sent out some some music ideas, some instrumental ideas. I said, uh-huh. let's maybe we can, you know, maybe we can get the magic back that we had back then when we were writing songs, and and we'll see what happens with that. You know, 
Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, that, that's perfect. And because, you know, somebody told me that Al's not working anymore, that he's pretty much retired. And um, Oh, this is great. I love rumors. Yeah. I love rumors. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not true, but that, that never got in the way of a good rumor. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, uh, yeah, we're working We're working on making this album. Al would be touring. He just did a... Um, he just did a, a a live streaming thing uh -huh. where he talked about his music. Wow. And it was a pay-per-view thing. Beautiful. Good um, but no, no, he's... he. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I think he'd be touring just like I would be touring. Good, good. Um, well, that's great. Um, so, what were we up to? We're up to you. Now, you, this last album, how did you get um, involved with Starlux Airlines? I got an email out of the blue, and my email address, by the way, is, is on my website, and it has been for 20 years, which is unusual for an artist, actually. Uh -huh. Usually you have a message board, or yeah. we'll write here, and we might, we might get back to you, or we might not. But I, I, I put my email address up there, and, and I got an email from a, from a guy who's working at Universal Music, which is a, one of the biggest publishing companies yeah. in the world. Yep in Taiwan and he says hi I have a client that wants wants to commission you to write some music because he's starting up an airline and he's a big fan of yours and it turns out that the chairman of the airline which is called Starlux yep. was a student in California in the early 90s and he must have turned on the radio station on the wave here in LA the what was now called smooth jazz but back then it wasn't and he must have heard my music on the radio because they were playing my music back on the radio right, in the right. early 90s and became a fan and he kept that in his mind and so 20 years later he's starting an airline oh, wow. and he says wow Peter White music would be great music but he made one stipulation he says I don't want to hear any saxophone. I just want to hear the Peter White guitar. Yeah. No saxophone. Isn't that funny? I've never. No one has ever said this to me before. Because you know, saxophone has been a big part of my music. I've always had great saxophone players. Right. And I thought, well, I can do this. I can make a, a whole album. Uh huh. And originally, it was only supposed to be played on the airline. You know what? So you could only you could only hear it if you bought a ticket. <laughs> You know what? I, and actually flew on the airline. I didn't realize it until you just mentioned it. There's no saxophone on that album. No, yeah. but what I did instead is I put my accordion. Uh -huh. <laughs> I put my harmonica. Yeah, yeah. I put me playing piano. So every other instrument I could think of, and my daughter on this on the uh, that's your the daughter final track home and down. Yeah, actually plays a little bit of viola. Oh, okay. On yep. the end there, I, so. did, I was going to ask so, you. I was, I was going to ask you what did she play because I saw her name on the yeah. credits. Yep. She's a wonderful at playing viola, and she's uh, at the time she was nineteen. Or yeah, and we did it at home. I just set up a mic, and I said, "Hey, I wrote a part for her. Say, you know, can you play this?" And so we recorded it. Um, it's nice, nice daddy-daughter moment. Yeah. But okay. that's how the album came out, and it wasn't supposed to be an album originally, and it was supposed to be just for the airline. But they, in the end, they said, "You know what? Yeah, we're giving you permission to release this." Wow. You know, because it's too good. The world should be, should be able to hear this music, rather than. But as long as you put on the cover, the Starlux Airlines logo. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And Cause so I called it music for Starlux Airlines. At first, I thought you were and put, it's a real. At first, I thought you were putting out a science fiction album. <laughs> it was like yeah, you know, yeah. It was uh, Starlux yeah, Airlines. And, and some people will think, oh, it's not real. It's just a made-up thing. You know, right, like right, tales right. from topographic yeah. tales from topographic oceans. Uh-huh. Where, where are these topographic oceans? You know. Yeah. Well, it's Starlux Airlines. It's a real airline. And um, wow. Well, do you, so do, you, do, you want to t- do you want to tell everybody how to get your stuff, how to, how to order? Is there a, a, a website that you Oh, want? I mean, it's, it's, it's streaming everywhere. You yeah. can go to my website, peterwhite.com, and, yeah. and you, can, you can actually find, um, if you want autographed, an autographed copy, yeah. uh, you can get it from there. Cool, okay. And um, I'd be happy to... And, and also, people write to me... I like that, and I'm pretty good at getting back and writing back to well, people. Anybody who writes to me, I, was I, amazed, get, I, I get messages I, from all over the world. You know? I was I amazed like you got back to me this quick, and then you, 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 um, uh, you know, you told me you do the show with me. I was, I was flabbergasted and, and very honored, and, and uh, you know, very thankful. And because um, well, yeah, you, you, uh, you found me on Facebook, and that's yes. another way to get to yep. find me. Yep, and and yes. you are. I'm, I'm, and these days, everybody's on Facebook every day. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's um, before, I, I, before I was traveling, I didn't always look at Facebook every day. But now, you know, what else are we doing? Right. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're reaching out and we're contacting people from the past, friends yep. that we've lost touch with. You know, we have time to do that. And that's really nice. And are you finding that too, that you're... Started, you're, my, started my family tree. Uh-huh. Well. Wow trying to find my ancestors and went all the way back to 1700 really um, hit a wall at 1700 but you know that's that's pretty good that's already 300 years ago yeah well um i, I did mine too and i found out um well i, I kind of knew this but i found out who the man was there was a guy named martin goldstein in the um late yeah. 20s early 30s who started murders incorporated with abe Rillis. Um, wow! Uh, yeah. Anyway, he's he was my grandfather's first cousin. I found out, and wow. <laughs> my grandfather was the sweetest man in the world. His uh, cousin wasn't. Uh, he was electrocuted, <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, wow. Edward, Edward um, G. Robinson based his um, his gangster character on this guy Bugsy Goldstein, and um, yeah. So wow. that's, so I figured I better stop my tree right there. Uh, I'm gonna get into trouble <laughs> if I go back anymore. But yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so um, that's great. Though. But I found that yeah, the same thing. A lot of communication going on during this pandemic, right? Yeah, people. You know, and it's good to have my website up there with my email address on it. Or you know, people find me through Facebook. Hey, remember me? I met you in this. Yeah. You know, nineteen seventy-five in London. I said, oh yeah. You know, that's nice. Well, it's really nice. Yeah, it is really nice. Um, okay, well, I'm um, gonna. I want to um, just make sure that we get everything covered that you want to talk about because we're getting to the end. And what I'd like to do is set up a part two of this if you're available you know, a couple of weeks from now. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It's nice to talk about the old times. It is. Plus, I'd like yeah, to get... I don't, I'm not promoting anything. I'm just... No, 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 no. I'm but just happy. Yeah. I'm just happy to be make, that I'm still here uh, 40 years 45 years after I started the music business, I'm still making music. Right. And every day that I don't have to wear shoes is a gift from heaven. It is, isn't it? Says I don't. I'm not, I haven't worn shoes in a while. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I wore shoes. Actually. Have you, uh, you know, have you shaved or anything? 
I did shave yesterday because mm-hmm. it gets kind of after a while. <laughs> it's like a week of growth and it gets a little yeah. itchy. <laughs> I, so I only shave, you know, just for comfort. Yeah. Well, this pen. This um, pen. This oh, you know what? What's that? Um, I, I did a, a live stream from a friend of mine's backyard, and who got on the comments and commented was Caleb, Caleb Quay. Oh, really? If you remember, if you're yeah, a music historian, you know yeah, who yeah. Caleb Quay is. Sure, Elton John, he David was, Bowie. Yep. He started with Elton John yeah. when Elton John was nobody back yep. then. He was the guitar player. Yep. He even helped El- Elton uh, do his first demos in London with uh, the studio that Caleb was working in. Yeah, yeah. So he's now living in LA, and he, and he says, hey, Peter. You know, I, I don't remember ever meeting him. He says, oh, yeah, I met you once, and, but, you know, it's great to hear your music, love your playing. And I thought, this is really nice. It is. You know, the guy's a legend. He is, he is. Uh, well, he used to work, he also worked with Bowie prior to um, Elton John. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Elton John worked yeah. with Bowie, too. Um, if, I don't know if anybody knows that he worked under his uh, real name, Dwight, um, I forgot his last, uh, Dwight Reginald. Reginald. Reginald, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, he played keyboards. Rick Wakeman played keyboards for Bowie, too. Yeah, and um, that's right. I've been watching his videos recently on on uh, YouTube. Rick Rick Wakeman. He's also a stand-up comedian. I didn't realize this. Yeah, <laughs> he's not only a very funny guy. Yeah, he does stand-up comedy, uh, uh, and, and there's some of it on YouTube. I'll so, tell you. I'll tell you a great Wakeman story. He, um, you know, when Yes started, he, you know, he he went out and bought a Moog, a mini Moog, and you know, they're monophonic. They play one note at a time. Yeah. You know, I know you know what monophonic means. I know if the people listening do. Monophonic is one yeah. note at a time. So anyway, he bought one, and his dentist bought one. Out of, out of all the people in the world, his dentist went out and bought a Moog. Anyway, he calls, yeah. he calls Rick up a couple of days later after they arrive, and he says, there's something wrong with this damn keyboard. It won't play more than yeah. one note at a time. So, so whoa, whoa. Rick says to him, I better pick it up and take a look at it. So, <laughs> so he goes, never gave it back. Never gave it back, <laughs> and he wound yeah. up with two to tour with, and it was like, uh, yeah, and they, and they, they yeah. were they were a fortune. They, they were really really expensive in the day. I mean, they still. Oh are. yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember when Mini Mood came out. Yeah, that was one of my job roles when I first started playing with Al Stewart. I I was playing the Mini Mood because oh, wow. there was a certain line from there's an album. Uh, past, present, future, and there's a song called Old Admirals, uh-huh. and there was this mini, which was played on a synthesizer, and that was my job in the show was to play that line on the on the synthesizer, and you had to set up the sound. Right. Uh, there was no presets. No, no memory. You had to, you had no you had to turn all those knobs to exactly the right place. Yep. And you couldn't do, and you had to do this without making a sound. You had to just do it. By memories. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's, you know. Yep. There was no way to. Yep. And uh, yeah, they they uh, had no memory. You couldn't preset anything, and um, it took uh, and it took hours to find the right sound. Yeah. To, back then, you know, man, putting on a live show is so much more challenging. Yes. Than now. Yeah. Because I, we were using. I mean, the synthesizers. Synthesizers just kind of started. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, but oh, I remember we had another keyboard player in the band. He says, "Oh, that that synth." He says, "It's all out of tune." I go, "Well, yeah, it's always out of tune." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to tune yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. And the only <laughs> before th- you play, every time you play, you have to tune it. And the only thing nowadays with synthesizer, you, you you don't even know how to tune. It's just already in tune. Yep. <laughs> you could drop them now, and they'll stay in tune. 
Um, I uh, do you remember? Well, I'm sure you remember Mellotrons too. Were, were a nightmare. Yeah, I never played a Mellotron. That was kind of before my time, but uh-huh. I remember seeing Genesis yeah. playing at my little youth center in my town of, when I was still living in England. Uh, Letchworth Garden City was the town I grew up. Uh-huh. Genesis came play. Nobody had heard of Genesis. And there were maybe 40 of us kids there watching watching them. And they had the Mellotron. Yep. And I'd never seen one or heard one before. And I was just amazed. Yeah, they're beautiful. They sounded uh, great. I, I'm an expert on mostly British bands. Yeah. <laughs> and it started with Genesis saying, wow, who are these guys? You know, And of course, they went on to national, international fame. Oh, but yeah. back then, they were just another band that was playing on a Monday night in, in a little youth club in my oh. hometown. Wow, and um, yeah, it's amazing uh, the music that came out of out of the UK at that time, and uh, you know pre you know pre Genesis, um, and I was talking to some guys that it took the British bands to introduce America to what happened in America originally, you know the New Orleans sound, blues, uh, um, you know R and B. Yeah. You know, you guys had to feed it back to us via, uh, you know. And you know what was significant about Liverpool? And, you know, why do these bands come out of Liverpool? Well, Liverpool was the first stop back to England, back to UK from New York uh-huh. for the merchant ships. And oh. the merchant sailors would bring back these records uh-huh. and then they'd sell them to the local record store. And NEMS was one in, in Liverpool that was run by Brian Epstein. Yep, yep. And so he had this import section of, you know, blues rare. Well, they were rare in England because they sure. weren't released in England. But because Liverpool was the first stop, you know, back from America, on, as it was on the west coast of England, then that became the sort of hub for musicians such as John Lennon and Paul McCartney to go searching for old blues records. Yeah. And uh, it's very significant that I think that the blues became such a big force in England in the 60s I remember it you were pretty much rated as a guitar player back then by how well you could play the blues and how well you could bend the notes and how right. well you could do the Eric Clapton vibrato uh-huh. you know which which you got from B.B. King right. although I didn't know that but, and so that's how I started playing guitar playing trying to copy all these guys that are playing the blues wow. and in America nobody cared at that time nobody no, cared no, about no, the blues no. anymore no, no, was, in the 60s yeah it was Beach Boys <laughs> you know the beach, and, uh, yeah it was um yeah and all those bands you know uh, cream came out of that blues yep revival of uh, led zeppelin oh yeah the stones um, the stones they were just they just wanted to play blues they started at fleetwood mac yep the first the first two fleetwood mac albums were all blues covers yep. did you know that yep that peter green what, a, yeah. what an amazing player um and he just he just passed away. Yep. Let's see. Bless his heart. You want to go back in time? I spoke to Harvey Brooks the other day. You know who Harvey is? From um, no. Mike Bloomfield's bass player. He, right. He played bass on Highway 61. Right. And, and then he started that band, um, The Electric Flag, with um, Buddy right. Mi- with Buddy Miles and Bloomfield. And um, next week, um, 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 um. um uh, what's his name is going to be on with me? Barry Goldberg, who um, was the keyboard player for Bloomfield and, and all that stuff. He's in a blues band now with uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Steve Stills. 
And wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping the blues makes a revival. But, um, yeah, you know, Harvey was telling me that when he started out, um, he, he somebody taught him two chords on the guitar. He was like nine years old. And they called called him up three <laughs> days later and said, I have a gig for you. you got to come play. <laughs> and, he, and he played those two chords all night and made 50 cents. And uh, that was his uh, intro yeah. to the music business. And those those were the days. Yeah. They? Those yeah. were the days. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he wound up playing um, bass on uh, Bitcher's Brew with Miles Davis. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And a great, yeah. great, great player. Um, and, uh, yeah, all these guys are still making music. And, and I'm so glad that you know, everybody's still at it. It's just well, um, you know, I, I see, I see it as an addiction. It's it's very hard to give it up. We just keep doing it because we we can't stop. Right. It, you know. And it's a whole different um, outlook on it because you know, um, I think prior to our generation, I'm, me and you are like the same age. I think uh, I'm 65, and um, I'm 65. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be 65. So you're older than me. Not that I'm gonna hold it against you. <laughs> yeah, I'll be 65 in like two months, so I'm close. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, um, I think our generation is the first generation that took it seriously and, and kept going on, you know, past a certain age. You know, I, I know Sinatra did and, and singers, but actual musicians who, who uh, you know, were, were writing and well, creating. I think um, there was the big band era. I think those musicians just kept going and that, you know, the Beatles pretty much, and rock and roll pretty much swept that aside uh -huh. um, and created a whole new, you know, breed of musicians. That's how the Wrecking Crew came about. Who, oh, yeah, yeah, but pop music, who were, the actual pop who musicians, originally, you, know, yeah. you know, a pop musician had an X amount of um, shelf life, you know? If, if, you got old, yeah. if you got old, you kind of... Um, yeah, you know, but you know what? Mick Jagger's still out there. He's yeah, 75. yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the new crew, Peter know. Frampton. Yep, Peter Frampton is still going. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and um, no, these guys, and, uh, these guys are still going. Um, I guess 75 is the new 45. Yeah, like Carlos Santana's <laughs> still out there, and uh, yeah, everybody's still out there, which is great. And um, and and one of and they're still putting out new music. They didn't become like oldie acts. You know, just kind of relying on their older material, which is great too. And um, you know, it's just a whole new uh, philosophy on music. So I'm going to invite you back. I'm going to get the show um, locked up today. I will send you. Well, I'm going to send you a copy of the show. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll email you a copy of the audio, and um, um, right. I'm going to set up another date for us. And I want to thank you for spending the, the afternoon with me today. Well, it's fun because, you know, to talk to someone who is so knowledgeable oh, of you. the business and, and the music, especially from back then when it when it kind of <laughs> it counted more, you know, especially to us. You know, younger people have, have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Will you, do, will you do me a favor next time we talk, and I'm going to call you yeah. later, and we're, I'm going to set up a time. Can you put together a playlist of stuff that um, you listen to that... Um, doesn't have to be your that music. I listen to. Yeah, that you that the, you know, like the old uh, Beatles stuff, the old Yardbirds, um, you know, the old Fleetwood Mac, the stuff that kind of you grew up with, and, and play DJ absolutely. with me one afternoon. I I can absolutely do that. In fact, we could do you it because I I've, I I, I talked to Fleetwood Mac fans. And uh -huh. I talked to Fleetwood Mac fans, and and 
I say, do you know who Peter Green is? I go, no. who's Peter Green? I'll tell you. <laughs> I know. I'll tell, You've got a lot to learn. I'll tell you a horror <laughs> show story. Um, when Peter Green was um, inducted, well, not Peter Green, when Fleetwood Mac was inducted into the Hall of Fame, it, yeah. was, it was the same year that Santana was. Um, and I know the story because I'm very right. friendly with Michael Shreve, who was Santana's original drummer. Uh, I worked with right. him years ago. Of course. Yeah, I worked with Michael yeah. years ago. Um, and, um, you know, we talk a lot. Anyway, uh, Peter Green showed up, and uh, Fleetwood Mac goes on stage, and they tell him, you can't play, you're not coming out with us. So um, he's stuck on the side there, and um, he was so burnt out. Uh, Michael was telling me, Michael Shreve was telling me that he lived with him in uh, California. He would borrow Michael wow. Shreve's house when Santana was on the road. And uh, so they, they were friendly. In fact, they went out with the same woman, the black magic woman, um, was a woman they knew who was into witchcraft. They both went out with her. Anyway, um, oh. yeah, so anyway, they were very friendly. Anyway, Peter didn't recognize Shreve. He had no, he had no uh, um, memory of spending any time with him or anything like that. He was so, you know, oh. gone. But Santana had to invite Peter Green out on stage to play back Black Magic Woman because his own band right. wouldn't let him out there. And this is the guy who, right. st who started Fleetwood Mac. And yeah, uh, yeah, and um, yeah. So it's a horror show. But anyway, let me um, let me check something out right now because I want you to do this with me. How about? How about the twenty eighth of August at night? It would be seven p.m. your time. You want to get back Let me to take me? a look at this. You can always get back to me later. Let me take a look at my uh, yeah. extremely busy calendar here. 27th of August. 28th. Yeah, which is a Thursday. No, 28th. 28th. Um, Friday. Yes. What time? 7 p.m. your time. Okay. Okay. Put together a playlist. You play DJ with me, and um, we'll just have another, you know, we'll just do another run at it. Great. I'll talk to you prior to that. Yeah. Cool. Okay, great. Okay, put it down. Good. I'll enjoy that. It's a date. Okay, my friend. So um, All right, good. I'm going to sign off now. Thanks. And I'll speak to you during the week. And I thank you a thousand times for um, spending the day with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good. I really glad. enjoyed it. Well, thank you. And, All right. and stay safe. All right, Elliot. I'll talk to you later. Okay, my friend. Bye-bye. Okay. okay. Okay, bye. serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. 
Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. And participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.